Hello, welcome to Public Affairs on WRBH. I'm Lynn Koppel, and today we're joined by Kelly Fisher, who is the project director of a very interesting project, a project coordinator. It's called the PRISM Project of Greater New Orleans. And I have to tell you, I'm not familiar with it. Explain what that is, Ms. Fisher. Okay, well, thanks for having me on the show. The PRISM Project of Greater New Orleans is a performing arts program primarily for children with disabilities, but we are an inclusive program. So we have both kids with disabilities and both kids with typical needs. Mm-hmm. And we work with kids ages 6 to 14. And we have professionals who are trained in music, dance, and theater who work with the kids over the course of a season. And the kids develop a play or a program. Mm-hmm. And we do a public showing of the program at the end of the season. So it's a way that we can help children with disabilities be fully engaged in the creative arts. Mm-hmm and learn the creative arts with um, the appropriate staff and materials to support their special needs. Well, you know, that's so interesting and and such a wonderful thought to to think about it is because a lot of times children who do have some sort of speciality, whatever it might be, really have a hard time getting included in activities like drama or, you know, not only sports, but also things where they can fiddle around with people about their own age and have a lot of fun. Oh, yes, absolutely. The original idea for the program was created by a professor of music education, Mm -hmm. Ryan Horrigan, and he was writing a book about how to teach creative arts and music education to kids with disabilities so Mm -hmm. they are fully um, engaged in the lesson, and he also had two boys with autism, and he was throwing away another after-school activity program that wasn't appropriate for his kids because the program didn't support their needs. Mm -hmm. And so he said, why don't I combine these two ideas and create a recreational program for kids with disabilities that would fully include them and support them and help provide the professionals with the supports they need because I don't generally run into people who say, I don't want to work with kids with disabilities. It's usually, I don't know how to do that. And so we help them with the how part. Well, you know, and if you're going to be a teacher, and I I would imagine some of the people who would work with you as mentors or teaching drama art probably are going into the teaching profession. And Maybe that's a real failing of our education system. Uh, I I don't think my friends who are professors of education would think so, Mm -hmm. but that they should get used to this and understand that these people can be included in an awful lot of things Mm -hmm. and not you have to learn some special technique, but rather that you have to have some experience with it because every child is different. Absolutely. And I think that's, Probably the biggest part of it is that um, although our program, we tend to highlight the benefits for the performers, Mm -hmm. Sure, but there is a benefit for all of the people involved because the adults learn and get that experience and get the confidence that they Mm -hmm. really need um, to work with these kids. But um, the other aspect of it is creative arts is one of the easiest ways you can engage kids with disabilities because creative arts is accessible in so many different ways. You don't have to be able to walk or speak or see to appreciate the creative arts and to be engaged in the creative arts. 
and it's fun, mm-hmm. and it's good to have something that's really fun. And also, I guess just being with other kids is kind of fun, and you know, that's that's important in everybody's life. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Our kids, um, we emphasize the fact that it's a cr- recreational mm-hmm, program, sure. and that our primary objective is that they have fun. Um, most of these kids are so involved in therapies and doctors. Exactly. They don't really have that chance to interact in a way where there's not, oh, you have to be working on this. You have to acquire this skill by this time. It, they don't often have the time to just the freedom to be themselves. And then also, again, because their therapies and things like that can be a little more isolating. Yes, they don't yes. often have the time to just hang out with other kids. And we do have a wide variety of um, functioning levels, Mm -hmm. mental abilities, physical abilities. And so these kids interact with each other in a way that's just a lot of fun to watch. Well, and and that's, well, let's hope that's the way it has to be in life, (laughs) you know. And if if these children are going to uh, have fun and do things that they want to do, mm-hmm. well, they maybe they have to learn how to get along with a lot of different people as well. Exactly. We have two boys who are now 10, but they both started in the program the first year we ran. Mm-hmm. And one has autism and one is typical kid. And they struck up a friendship. And of they course. are best friends to this day. And that's a relationship that I don't know if the, a recreational program like this didn't exist. I don't know if that relationship would have had the opportunity to happen. Yeah, it's in education, unfortunately, and I'm not an education. Mm -hmm. That's not my degree or my thing. That's not what I taught. But it always seemed to me that you had to, uh, that everybody's different, number Mm -hmm. one, and you had to kind of learn to approach each student as an individual, even if they're in college, which Mm -hmm. is where I taught. But you you know, and there was something worthwhile from everybody, and there should be something worthwhile to everybody. And uh, just getting together in a group, I mean, that's one of the things I I am old enough to have predated uh, teaching on the Internet, yes. <laughs> and I never liked it. <laughs> I've done it, but I really did it under, under duress. Because to me, the joy of teaching or being in a class is when you're with other people Mm -hmm. and you're doing things together, Mm -hmm. uh, no matter how silly or whatever it is that you're doing, reading something perfectly dreadful that you hate. I'm an English professor, (laughs) but it's fun to talk about it and you really find out different things. Whereas as an individual, you would probably just say what you read (laughs) from Wikipedia and, you know, recite it, type it back to me. But, uh, you know, and this is wonderful. This sounds so good. So tell us when this program takes place, how people can get involved. If one has a child that you think would be interested in participating, how do we how do we work that? Great. Yes. Our program runs from January to April every year. Mm -hmm. So we are a spring program, and we're a Saturday morning program. Okay. So the performers are there from about 10 to 11.30 every Saturday morning for about 10 weeks. In that time, they work, again, with the creative arts directors, Mm -hmm. and they get assigned roles depending on their interests in um, the program, and they help design the concept of the show. We have performers that help write 
for example, lines and dialogue. Mm-hmm. We have performers that help pick songs. We have performers that help teach dance, that sort of thing. And the kids sort of, it, we pull them into the creative process as much as possible for a final public show at the end of the season. Um, but to get involved, we are a program of families helping families mm-hmm. of Southeast Louisiana. Yes. So probably the easiest way to get engaged in the program is to go to the Families Helping Families of Southeast Louisiana website. Mm-hmm. And there, there's a whole page about our program. Good. And that also lists my contact information, my telephone number, and my email address, which I can give you now or I can give you later. Well, why don't you give it to us now and then please remember at the end. Sure. Don't don't yes. let me stop without giving it again. <laughs> yes. Well, again, my name's Kelly Fisher, and my phone number is area code 765-730-4278. And my email address is the letter K and then Fisher, which is F-I-S-C-H-E-R at B-S-U dot E-D-U. Okay. Um, I'm a, also a faculty member for a university, so oh, that's my okay. email address. But um, so people can contact me through phone or email. That's totally fine. Or again, go to the website and check mm-hmm. out the program. But families apply. We take kids ages 6 to 14. Mm -hmm. We generally don't have to turn away kids, but we are um, basically somewhat restricted based on the number of volunteers we can raise every year. So far, we've been very fortunate. We've always had an excess of volunteers, and I hope that continues. But um, in order to provide the level of supports that our kids need, Mm -hmm. we basically have myself and we have our creative arts directors, we also have some behavioral support staff that can help us design ways to make the activities Mm -hmm. the most fun and engaging as possible. And then every performer has what we call a buddy, which is um, a volunteer. They're mostly from Tulane United for Autism, Mm -hmm. a Tulane University student organization, and that buddy is there to just sort of greet the performer, help the performer through the schedule in the morning, have fun. Mm-hmm. They, they Usually the kids love seeing their buddies. The buddies Absolutely. love seeing their kids. Yeah. <clears throat> and so we accept performers based on the number of buddies we can generate every year. But the buddies have been fantastic, and they show up every Saturday morning Good. with energy. Um, and so basically... An application comes in, so we have an understanding of the performer and what their interests are, and that helps us design things. But then we also kind of respond to the performers throughout the season. Mm -hmm. So, for example, one year we had a kid that said, I want to be a mermaid. And so we're like, well, then we need to have a mermaid in the (laughs) show. You know, that's just the way the show works. And last year we were fortunate in that we decided it would be fun to create our own original song. Oh, good. Yes. And so we created the Prison Project song. Basically, the performers wrote lyrics Mm -hmm. based on what they thought about the Prison Project and what they wanted to say about the Prison Project. And then our vocal director, who's very talented, was able to put that to music. And um, hopefully we'll be able to play that clip 
at some point so that your audience can hear the actual kids performing the actual original Prism Project song. Well, we'll have to mention that because that would be fun to end the show with uh, a little musical (laughs) interlude. That would be great. (laughs) And that was really fun. And again, it was our way of saying what would happen if we let the kids express themselves Mm -hmm. musically. And... And again, that's one of the things that I like about the creative arts is that many of our performers' language is not the easiest thing for them. It's not the easiest avenue for them to communicate. They tend to use behaviors or other ways to express themselves. And so we give them song and dance and theater and all these different ways to um, show off their personality and to communicate with us. And I love that we're giving them alternate communicate communicative yeah. avenues. Well, you know, this sounds like such a great program, and I hope that anyone who's listening will think about it and think about is there someone in your acquaintance or that you know who would be interested in finding out more about it. But let's talk about something uh this, the dirty, cynical side of it. How is this funded, and how can people help with it if they're so inclined? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, funding is always the challenge. The program runs January through April, mm-hmm. but I always laugh with people because I want to remind them that I'm working year-round because <laughs> yes. our funding is entirely based on grants and fundraising. Mm-hmm. So, um, And then we also rely on community partnerships to help offset costs whenever possible. But it is very difficult. We operate on a very tight budget. We um, are always welcome. You know, even the small, what someone might think is the smallest donation Mm -hmm. of $10 makes a difference. Our performers, we don't want to lay the cost of the program on our performers. And that makes us a little different than a lot of recreational programs. We want to make sure that anybody that wants to participate can. So there is a very minimal $40 one-time fee to participate, Mm -hmm. but that's for the whole 10 weeks. It includes a T-shirt the kid gets at the end of the season. Um, But we also have scholarships for families that can't afford the $40, and we do have families that struggle to afford that membership fee. Um, Or not membership fee, but that enrollment fee. Well, participation fee, yes. (laughs) So the only way that we can keep operating without... Passing that cost on to families is, again, by um, filling out grants, which I do a lot of, and then reaching out to community organizations that are interested in donating or sponsoring in different ways. So Mm -hmm. we do partner with um, NORD, New Orleans Mm -hmm. Recreational Department. They are kind enough to allow us to use their facilities. So we've operated out of the Sanchez Center which is in the Ninth Ward. It's a lovely, fully handicap-accessible facility that has a stage that's fully handicap-accessible, which isn't easy to find. That is, that's an interesting point. Yeah, And mention the, the Sanchez Center, that's on Caffin, isn't it? It is on yeah. 1616 Caffin Avenue. It's right across from Martin Luther King it School. Is. Yeah, yes. just in case anybody. And the library. And mm-hmm. the library. So, you know, well-located, mm-hmm. easy to get to. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's a, for us, it's, ideal. We have mm-hmm. rooms that we can rehearse in, and then we can actually perform in that same location, which for some of our kids, transitioning to a performance hall would be difficult. Yes. So the fact that we can rehearse and perform in the same place 
helps them with the continuity that they sometimes need. And also good parking. I know that's like I say, get down to the nitty gritty. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, An easy parking, Mm -hmm. an easy situation to get to, park, you know, have fun and then Mm -hmm. jump, run out, jump in your car and go home. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, We also, uh, Metropolitan Human Services Development helps provide us with some funding. And the Jazz and Heritage Foundation helped provide us with funding to acquire our performing arts directors. Oh, good. Um, The Autism Society helped us with some funding to acquire our behavioral support Mm -hmm. staff. And, of course, um, the Beignet Fest. Which oh. <laughs> was a uh, the okay. this was their first year, and we were fortunate to be one of the recipients of um, some of the money that was raised from that festival. So that helps us continue to do what we do, and then families helping families and the Davis Maloney Fund help us with donating money. Good for good. general operations, but again, we um, every year it's. Dollar by dollar, yes. are we going to be able to make it? And there's been a lot of requests for us to expand into a summer program or a year-round program, which we just can't do with our current funding. But hopefully someday we will have the funding and the staff to be able to offer this um, either more frequently or in different locations throughout the city. Well, you know, and, and it is hard. Now, we ought to emphasize that doing this kind of thing is not easy, many moving parts, mm-hmm. and unfortunately costs money, even though we'd like to all be volunteers and it's wonderful, mm-hmm. but they're things you have to pay for, and they have to get paid for. You're a five, what is it, the charity, in other words, you can give money yeah, and you can take it off your income tax. Yes, which is nice. Yeah, fam- they would donate to Families Helping Families okay. of Southeast Louisiana, but yeah, it is tax deductible, which is handy. Um, and you're right. Our performing arts um, staff and our other staff members are getting paid way less than they would if they oh, chose yes. another activity for Saturday mornings. So it is they're donating in a way and that um, I know that they're being generous with their time. And I appreciate that. But you're right. There is a cost associated. And when I think that's one of the reasons why most programs shy away from accommodating our kids is because of the cost. Um, and it takes some work, but I'm willing to do it because I believe in the program of and I've course. seen the results and the kids love it. But we have a very strong mission that we don't turn anyone away, not mm-hmm. based on their level of disability or their level of support needs. We believe that every kid can participate in a way and we focus on ability and connection rather than sure. what they can't do. And, and that's very important, looking at what someone can do rather mm-hmm. than what they can't do, a way to look at everybody, I guess. Yeah. We should. <laughs> but, well, you know, this sounds so wonderful, and I hope that people listening, if they can think of some, like an organization that they belong to that might want to help or a um, just a group that they belong to, say, well, let's, let's, let's have, a, you know, some kind of a little thing and raise yeah. a few dollars and Absolutely. send it to you all. Yeah, even... Even something that seems minimal. Every Saturday morning, I try to have enough money so that I can provide coffee to the oh, buddies before the uh, performers oh. arrive. It's $30 a week. Um, you know, and I've had one lady say, do you mind if my group 
comes and brings coffee. Of course. I'm like, absolutely, a... I'd love that. <laughs> well, you know, and, and that's the sort of thing to think of is in-kind contributions as well. If something, in other words, where they, now they would have to contact you. Just don't send them. <laughs> You know, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> what, gallons of coffee somewhere. But, yeah. you know, uh, something that you need, Absolutely. talk to families, helping mm-hmm. families, get on to you, one of these numbers, and mm-hmm. say, how about I do yeah. provide donuts? Or what if I provide whatever, mm-hmm. you know, you need? Or the day we have a final show, the day oh, of the show, right. we always need volunteers to hand out programs, those types of things. Um, we're very busy with the performers that day, so sure. any extra hands always help just make the experience of the audience better. But yes, we do have a final show, and that is April 8th. Oh, coming up. Yes. Okay. So now tell us all about it. Yes. So again, the kids help us write a show, and this year our show is going to be about being in outer space. Whoa, okay. Yes, and it's going to be about learning how to accept other people for who they are and mm-hmm. what they are and appreciating our differences. Sure. So um, that will be April 8th at the Sanchez Center. The showtime is at 11. I usually ex- suggest people arrive early because seats fill up fast. Oh, good. Um, last year we had... We set out 100 seats, and we had many more people than that oh, uh, show up for good. the show, which was great. Uh, we do charge $10 mm-hmm. a ticket to mm-hmm. get in, and that's simply, again, to help us um, offset the cost of printing the programs for the show and things like that. But it's an hour-long show. The kids have an awesome time. The audience has an awesome time. And it's, again, sort of a great way to get together and to see all the things that these children are capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, many times they don't get the opportunity to be on stage or to be kind of the center sure. of attention. And this gives them that that voice, that opportunity. And generally there are a lot of um, very happy audience members, very surprised audience of course, members at the yeah. end of the show. Well, you know, it just sounds like so much fun too. And, uh, like I say, I would encourage people just to find out what it is and maybe come to the show and pay you $10 and, you know, see how how that works. And it should give some people ideas about the way things might be or could be. And uh, sounds wonderful. Who? Where did this idea come from, if you don't mind me asking? It did come from, again, uh, my good friend, Dr. Ryan Horrigan, who's mm-hmm. a professor at Ball State University okay. in Indiana. Yes. And what happened was he put together the program in Indiana, and I was living in Indiana at the time. Mm-hmm. So my oldest son, who is disabled, was mm-hmm. able to participate. Mm. But the next year I moved to New Orleans, <laughs> and I started thinking, why isn't there a program like that here in a community that's so rich in creative arts? I mean, yes. we live creative arts in this city, and it made so much sense that there would be so many people interested in pulling people with disabilities into that creative arts process. So I started basically beating the streets and asking people who's interested in this. And I was (laughs) able to gather a group of people together. And I said, let's make this happen. And Ryan was able, um, Dr. Horgan from Indiana was willing to support us in teaching us the structure and and what they had learned through the years in terms of what works and what doesn't. And so now the interesting thing is next week he'll be down here to check us out because 
he is learning from our program as much as we learn from his. For example, we've developed a junior director program for older individuals mm-hmm. with disabilities who are interested in the creative arts and perhaps want some um, a greater responsibility. And sure. so what we do is we create job duties for them. Good. And they come every week and assist. And it's a great way for them to do creative arts, which they love, mm-hmm. but also develop some vocational skills sure. training because they have a supervisor that they have to check in with. And we help support them as young, uh, not young adults, they're older teens. Whatever, yeah. But in um, getting that, a more grown-up experience. Well, and also uh, an experience of how you participate in the workforce, mm-hmm. though this seems like a very fun way to participate in the workforce, but mm-hmm. you have to be, you have to show up at a certain time. You have to have mm-hmm. some certain preparation. Yeah, very important. Point. Yeah. For example, we have one um, performer who liked taking pictures. So we thought, uh-huh. let's teach him how to use, instead of just his phone, sure. an actual camera, and then let's help teach him how to edit those pictures. And so we were lucky to have a buddy that had photography training that was willing to do that. So we try to gear it based on the interest of the individual and sure. not just give them busy work like moving chairs or something. Yeah. Um, so to make it valuable for everybody. It sounds like a wonderful, valuable program. And now tell us, are there any events coming up like the Beignet Fest that we might participate in? Um Tell us. <laughs> um, I don't know of any events specifically oh, as far as families helping families. I do, again, know that the biggest one would be our show, which okay. is in less than a month. Okay. Um, at, April 8th, again, April 8th. at 11 o'clock at the Sanchez. Center. That's 11 a.m. Yes, yes. At 11 a.m. That's quickly. really important. Yeah. I, mean, I, mean, <laughs> I imagine people guessed that would be we it. We wanted to have it early enough that anybody sure. that wanted to go to French Quarter Festival would be able oh, to right. get out there because it's the same weekend. Aprils are busy in this city, so it was hard to find a clear um, time. And we like to have it in the morning because our kids are used to rehearsing in the morning. Of course, and that's that's appropriate. No, eleven a eleven p.m. would not be appropriate at all for anybody. (laughs) Well, you know that's such a great thing. And let's give families helping families. Google that name, Mm -hmm. family helping families. Not hard to do it of southeastern Louisiana, and. Give us some other information so people can contact you if you, yeah. or, you know, find out things they want to do. How would they send money? What would they do? Exactly. Yes, they can all do that through Families Helping Families okay. of Southeast Louisiana. Okay. Or if they want to contact me, I'll, I'll definitely help them make that happen. And again, my name is Kelly Fisher, mm-hmm. and my phone number is area code 765-730-4278. And my email is the letter K and then Fisher, which is F-I-S-C-H-E-R at B-S-U dot E-D-U. But I love talking about the program. I love having new people get involved. So if you know someone who's a potential performer or a potential volunteer, love to talk to you about that. And um Anything. Again, sometimes people think, oh, what I have to offer isn't a lot. Everything makes a difference. And with these kids, everything makes a big difference. And is used for a wonderful purpose. So it sounds it sounds like fun. It sounds like a good purpose. And I encourage you to get in touch. Families helping families. Or Ms. Fisher, who can tell you all about, you know, particularly things that you might 
she, you might ask, how might I do an in-kind? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes that's a little hard to, oh, yeah. you know, and you want to be sure you've got the right, exactly. <laughs> the kind of thing you want in. <laughs> exactly. Okay. But that sounds marvelous. Well, thank you so mm-hmm. much for coming on. And we're going to see if we can get that tune set up so we'll follow the show. Awesome. But this has been Kelly Fisher on Public Affairs on WRBH. Thank you all for listening.